0: Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him uh, with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so so that any favour you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you in your spirit.
1: Thanks for that, Rachel well hi everyone again it's great to see you all here this evening well we're going to make our way through the book of philemon but let me start our time in prayer please join me heavenly father we do give you thanks for your word for the bible we thank you that it's for us to help us know you more to see your son more clearly and to appreciate the gospel father we do pray that you'll help us to learn from it now that we would see how Jesus changes the way we, we relate to one another as a church family. We pray you'll bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you just heard the book of Philemon read out. and You may be wondering what's going on here. It's a lot of characters, a lot of names. Well, let me give you a brief overview. It's about the year 60 AD, and the Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and he's awaiting his trial before Emperor Nero. He writes a letter to a man called Philemon. Philemon is a Christian slave owner, and Paul is writing to him about his runaway slave called Onesimus. Onesimus ran away to Rome, and there he met Paul, and under Paul's ministry, became a Christian. Now, Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter. Wow! A Christian slave owner, I hear you say. Isn't that a contradiction in terms? Well, Please remember, this letter was written almost 2,000 years ago in a completely different world from which we live today. The slavery of the Roman Empire was in many ways different to the African-American slavery of the 18th and 19th century. Slavery is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. But that's not what I'm going to focus on today. That's like the backdrop. What's at the forefront is Jesus. Jesus makes forgiveness possible and expected. So what will be the outcome of this reunion? And how will Philemon respond to Paul's letter? And what will Paul say to persuade Philemon to receive Onesimus? Well, let's find out together. If you follow along in your handout, the first point there. Paul reminds Philemon of his love for all of God's people. This takes place in verses 4 to 7. Paul starts his letter out in verses 4 to 5 by thanking God because he has heard of the report of the amazing work that Philemon has been doing in the house church he runs in the city of Colossae. Philemon isn't what we would expect when we think of a slave owner. Normally, we would think of a cruel, selfish, greedy man who rules with an iron fist. But here, in verse 5, Philemon's character is different. It's shaped by love. Philemon has a love for, verse 5, all of God's holy people. Philemon is an example of the true love of Christ. He shows love to all Christians, no matter who they are, where they come from, or what they've done. That's very hard to do, isn't it? So what enables Philemon to have such a great love for all of God's people? Verse 5 has the answer. It's his faith. His faith in the Lord Jesus. Philemon trusts in Jesus as his Lord and Master and therefore is being obedient to Jesus' teaching to love others as Jesus has loved him. Now we read in verse 7 of Paul's response. Paul hears about how the Christian church in Colossae is being refreshed by the love of Philemon. As verse 7 says, read along with me. Your love, Philemon, has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Few things excite Paul more than to see the Lord's people thriving in loving, healthy relationships and functioning well as a family. This is what Paul longs for. And it's important for us to recognize this because Paul is going to make a request that Philemon forgive, forgives Onesimus. And we must understand his motivations for asking. Paul is motivated by the same things that motivate Philemon. A love for Jesus and a love for all of God's people. But do they want the same things? Will Paul's request be in line with what Philemon wants? Well, we'll have to wait and see. But so far, what we see is Philemon's godly character and the relationship he shares with Philemon. These are the right ingredients for Paul's request to be taken seriously. So now, let's explore Paul's request. His request for forgiveness and how he seeks to show Philemon that it's consistent with the Christian life. Please move to the second point in your handout. Paul appeals to Philemon to forgive Onesimus. This takes place in verses 8 through to 16. But let's go to the very heart of the letter, verses 10 to 12. Read along with me, starting there in verse 10. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's become both useful to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. This is the whole reason for Paul's letter. Paul is writing to the slave master Philemon to let him know that he's sending his slave Onesimus back to him. Onesimus ran away. He ran away from from Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey, all the way over to Rome. And there he met Paul. Paul shared the gospel with him, and he became a Christian. Or as Paul describes him in verse 10, a spiritual son, a child of God. Paul's request... For Philemon to receive Onesimus back will require Paul to forgive, sorry, will require Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And this is such a massively countercultural cultural request. By the, by the brutal Roman standards of the day, Philemon could legally punish his slave with beatings, imprisonment, or even crucifixion, death. If he wanted, he could brand an F on Onesimus' forehead, an F for the Latin word fugitivus, meaning fugitive. There's a lot at stake. Onesimus' life is on the line. What will happen if Philemon doesn't forgive him? What's most fascinating is that despite the great, uh, the great cost of this request going horribly wrong, Paul doesn't use his status and authority as an apostle to force or command Philemon to forgive. As verse 8 to 9 states, verse 8, Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. If Paul commanded Philemon to forgive Onesimus, it's possible that he won't do it right. An external law is not enough to get someone to be obedient. It can't change them. Instead, Paul would rather, verse 9, appeal to Philemon on the basis of love. This could mean the love that Philemon and Paul share, but I think what's more likely is that Paul is saying this, given the context I appeal to you on the basis of the love of Christ. It is the love of Jesus that can motivate Philemon to use his own free will to love Onesimus. What Jesus has done for Philemon changes the way he relates to Onesimus. What Jesus has done changes the way people relate in general. It changes the way we relate as a church family. Let me explain what I mean. The gospel, the good news, what Jesus has done is the great equalizer of all people. It says that all people everywhere are sinners. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, or what you've done, you're not good enough, nor can you do enough good to get into heaven. But rather, you were saved by grace, God's undeserved favor, his free gift to you. Jesus died for you and rose from the dead to bring you forgiveness and reconciliation to God. You did nothing to earn your salvation. It's free. And you just receive it by faith like anyone else. This means that all Christians are equals because they are equally forgiven in Jesus and given a new status as the children of God. The great evangelist, Billy Graham, summed it up well when he said this. There is no scriptural basis for segregation, that is the separating of black and white people. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and it touches my heart when I see white people and black people standing together at the cross. Billy Graham was talking about how Christianity undermines the different man-made classes all of the man-made classes of humans. Christianity says, all people, black, white, slave, free, Jew or Gentile, whoever you are, all people who stand before the cross stand on level ground. There's no division. There's no hierarchy. All people who stand before the cross are forgiven and loved equally by God. That's so important and so beautiful. Let me say it again. There's no division and no hierarchy amongst Christians. All Christians who stand before the cross are forgiven and loved equally by God. And this includes Philemon and Onesimus. So, what that means is, Paul isn't just sending Onesimus back to a miserable life of slavery. No, now that Onesimus and Philemon are both Christians, there's no longer a master-slave relationship. Jesus has removed this hierarchy. We see this in verse 16. Follow along with me in your Bibles. Verse 16. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Onesimus is now an equal man and an equal brother to Philemon. How does this happen? Verse 16 says, In the Lord. Jesus has united these two men together. They just need to recognize it. And if they recognize it, that they have the same master in heaven, then the appropriate way for them to express it is to treat one another with the same love and forgiveness they've received from God. But even if Philemon recognizes this, what about all of the pain, the loss and the suffering and the shame that went with his slave running away? It will cost him to forgive anasimus. but Paul wants to remove this barrier, so he goes on. We're now at point three in your handouts. Paul demonstrates the sacrificial love of Jesus that brings forgiveness. We see this in verses 17 to 19. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention, you owe me your very self. Here, Paul steps into the shoes of Jesus. Just as Jesus was a mediator between God and mankind, so here is Paul being a mediator between Onesimus and Philemon. Paul says, look Philemon, I know Onesimus stole from you. It's not like he funded his little holiday to Rome by running a lemonade stand out front of your house. It's not like he was saving up money by like, selling photo frogs at his local scout hall. He stole from you. Whatever he took, charge it to me. I'll pay the price. So just as Jesus was willing to pay all of our debts that we could never afford to bring us forgiveness, so too is Paul showing here the sacrificial love of Jesus by offering to pay the debts that Onesimus cannot afford. But Paul's in prison. How can Paul pay the debts of Onesimus? In verse 19, Paul says that he might not have to Because Philemon owes him a massive favor. He owes him his very self, or his very life. You see, Philemon has also become a Christian under Paul's ministry. Therefore, Philemon owes forgiveness and eternal life, in a sense, to Paul. Paul shared the good news with him. And there's nothing more valuable that anyone can receive than the gift of eternal life. So Philemon has a greater debt that he owes to Paul. One he can never repay. So Paul, once again, has reminded Philemon of the gospel and of the forgiveness he has received from Jesus, which changes everything. What do you think? Do you think Philemon will recognize the equality he shares with Onesimus in Jesus? Do you think he'll be willing to forgive him and welcome him back as a brother? It will cost him to do so. Well, Paul thinks so. In verse 21, he says he is confident of Philemon's obedience and that he knows Philemon will do even more than he asks. And then there's some names, and then that's the end. There's no P.S., they reconciled, or it doesn't even say. What was the result? Did Philemon welcome Anesimus back no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear and equal brother? Or did Philemon end up branding Onesimus with an F on his forehead for fugitive? Or did he end up recognizing the F that has already been placed on Onesimus' forehead by God? An F for forgiven. Before we talk about how they responded to the letter, we should talk about how we should respond to the letter. The key application of this letter is forgiveness and reconciliation amongst fellow Christians. We must recognize the serious implications of failing to forgive one another. If someone sins against you and you don't forgive them, that relationship is permanently damaged, right? It can never function the same again. Or maybe you sin against someone, but they won't forgive you. They say, I will never forgive you as long as I live. How tragic, how painful. Just as sin separates us from a loving relationship with a holy God, so too does sin and unforgiven sin separate us from one another. Just as grudges destroy families, so too do they destroy the church family. The family here at Trinity Church Adelaide. It's a relief, though, to know that broken relationships don't have to be the norm. Because, point four in your handout, Jesus makes forgiveness possible and expected of Christians. Just as Paul expected Philemon and Onesimus to ask for forgiveness and to offer forgiveness to one another, so too are we as Christians expected to offer forgiveness. This isn't a new teaching of Paul's. Jesus taught it long before, Jesus taught that we are to forgive others their sins, otherwise our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. If you're a Christian here today, and you've been forgiven of your countless sins, and saved from the wrath of God and from hell by God, then you should be willing to show grace and forgiveness to others. There is no reason for a Christian to hold a grudge towards anyone inside or outside of the church for that matter. If Jesus has forgiven them, you should forgive them too. That's not to say it's easy, though. Because forgiveness is costly, but it's worth it. Point five in your handout. Forgiveness is costly, but worth it. When we offer forgiveness, it costs us, doesn't it? We've been harmed in some way. Physically, mentally, spiritually... And we have to continue to live with the damage that someone else has caused us. We didn't want it. We didn't ask for it. It's not our fault, so why should we forgive? Dear brothers and sisters, all I know is that it's far better for you to forgive than to not. And once again, it's the way of those who take up their cross of suffering and follow Jesus. The same Jesus who, although himself God, willingly allowed himself to be unjustly nailed to a cross. And while he was hanging there, still had the grace to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. It was costly for Jesus, but it was worth it. It was costly for Philemon. Imagine what, what, all the looks he would have gotten, the way he would have been treated because he would have treated a slave equally in his society. But it would have been worth it to gain a friend and a brother for all eternity. And it will be costly for us too, but worth it. I put an inspiring story in your leaflet of a Christian whose forgiveness was costly but worth it. It's a very beautiful modern example of how Jesus changes the way we relate to one another as a church family. So please do check that out. In fact, I've brought the biography along The Hiding Place by Corey Tembo. So this is the backstory of uh, that mini story uh, you've got in your leaflet. So if you'd like to borrow that from me, come ask me. We're now at point five in your handout. No, sorry. We're gonna go to point six. But before we move there, I just want to add something. This is important. When you forgive someone else, you are not saying nothing happened, but you are saying to the person, I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus still loves me despite what you did, and I still love Jesus despite what you did, and I hope that you come to know the love and forgiveness that he has given me. Therefore, I forgive you because God has forgiven me. Now, point six in your handout forgiveness cannot be forced. What happens if someone won't forgive you? That's a tough situation to be in. And as we learned from Paul, you can't force someone. You can only control how you respond. So respond rightly, with sorrow, with love, with patience and grace. There are a few good things though that you can do to help. Firstly, and most importantly, you can ask God for forgiveness. Secondly, you can pray. Paul prayed, didn't he? He prayed in verse 6 that God would change Philemon's heart and mind. So too can you use the words of the Apostle Paul. You can pray that God would refresh their heart. God's the great reconciler, and he can do it. Thirdly, Paul offered repayment for the wrongdoing of Onesimus so too can you try to mend your wrongdoing, whether that be materially, monetarily, or through using your words. If not in person, maybe over the phone, or via a card or letter. That's what Paul used, didn't he? And lastly, you can get another Christian involved to mediate, just as Paul mediated between Onesimus and Philemon. And this is a wise and godly option. Relationships are complicated. It's good to have someone on the outside who can look in and help you work it through. If this sermon and thinking this through has brought a lot of uh, thoughts to mind or difficulties, please, if you don't know where to start, come chat to our pastors. They're always here to love and care for you. And at the end of the day, if forgiveness is never offered to you, it's such a comfort to remember the gospel. You are forgiven in Jesus when you ask for it. Ask God for forgiveness, because Jesus has died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. Speaking of the past, what happened? What happened to Onesimus? Was he accepted back no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother? The letter doesn't say. But Paul was confident. And I think we can be confident too that even if this letter was never written, Onesimus would have asked for forgiveness from Philemon and Philemon would have granted it because Jesus makes forgiveness possible and expect it. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you and thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that through Jesus, we can have reconciliation to you and eternal life and forgiveness of our sins. But thank you that that changes us. Jesus' love can be shared with others, with the church family. We thank you for the church family here at Trinity Church Adelaide. We pray you'll help us to be loving and forgiving forgiving to one another. Thank you that there's no more division or hierarchy amongst us, that we're all equally loved and forgiven. We praise you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.